This week was Video News' Connected TV Advertising Brand Suitability Virtual Summit. On today's podcast, we share key takeaways from the event, which featured 32 senior executives in 10 sessions across two afternoons. Listen on for more about why CTV advertising is so exciting for so many industry professionals and what challenges still need to be addressed. And welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon right there from End Screen Media. Hey, Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Will, and uh, I've I've, uh, really enjoyed the... CTV Brand Suitability Conference this week, and I know that's good. We're going to be talking a lot about that, but you must be, whew, you must be relieved that it's uh, it's it's over. <laughs> yeah, well, doing these conferences is definitely a uh, fair amount of work. That is for sure. Um, but I'm really excited about how it all turned out. And again, we're going to talk about key takeaways today on the podcast and it's just it's really i'd say i find it very interesting to listen to these senior executives we have 32 executives of course uh, this time around and there's just no substitute for listening to them directly share their experiences that's what really keeps it real to me yeah yeah i i find the same well you know talking to people who are immersed in the business you just learn so much um, so uh, we'll, but we'll be getting to some of that learning in just a just a bit yeah. here. But but let's touch on a couple of news stories that crossed our desk in between all of the sessions yeah. at CTV. Uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, Why don't you go first? What what it what caught your eye? I think I know what caught your eye. Right. Well, to be sure, I was pretty heads down this week. But um, as always, following the news, and the one that really jumped for me was the release from Viacom CBS that Paramount Plus had its best week ever and added over a million new subscribers, which was a new record for Paramount Plus in a given week. And it also apparently set a new record for most hours streamed and the highest level of engagement by subscribers. Viacom CBS credited a number of different factors, including uh, the premiere of the film Clifford the Big Red Dog, (laughs) the new scripted show Mayor of Kingstown, um, NFL on CBS and local markets, and I think not least of all the um, Adele One Night Only concert, which I watched a part of, not all of, I'm not a huge Adele fan, but I did watch part of it. And I have to say that she, that is one serious, she is one serious performer. She has an incredible voice and I feel like I can understand why she is the worldwide phenomenon that she is and how significant a contributor to that million subscribers she alone probably was. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if cord cutters who wanted to watch that Adele concert and subscribing to Paramount Plus was their primary way of doing so. It it wouldn't surprise me if Adele alone drove half of those new million subscribers for Paramount Plus. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right. And this really illustrates just how what a great job Viacom CBS is doing, I think, in in translating the the sort of general entertainment approach that they've taken with the CBS channels 
into the digital world, Will. I think they're, they're, they've been doing a great job in doing that. And this is just an illustration of, the, of how they're evolving that model. And it's a very powerful model. General entertainment services, uh, I think, have a great place online. And Paramount Plus is just hitting it out of the park right now. It's, it's, it's a great service. Um, I have it. And uh, it's a great place to go if you want to be generally entertained. But it's, it's pulling in all of those pieces that you want. You need news. You need sports. You need events like the Adele concert. And you need the great programming. And, and it's all there now. And uh, they even have the, the Pluto TV piece, although it's not part of Paramount Plus. It's certainly feeding into that ecosystem. So I think they've, they've got a great mix right now. And uh, the one million additions in a week is... Uh, Great illustration of that. Right. And of course, as you mentioned, while we were prepping for the podcast, the question is, how many of those million will they retain? That's obviously a key question. But, you know, to your point, they've brought them in the door and there's a lot of other great content available on Paramount+. And obviously the hope is that a good chunk of them will retain. And I I think toward that end, and I, I can't remember if we talked about this last week or two weeks ago, I I feel like there are two really defining things for Paramount Plus. One is that they include the broadcast feed. So a cord cutter can subscribe to Paramount Plus and get the feed, meaning they can, in this instance, watch the Adele concert, very importantly. And the second thing that that feed does is it brings the NFL games into Paramount Plus. And for cord cutters, that's really significant. And they identified the NFL games as one of the key success factors, the live NFL on CBS and local markets. Um, they, I think they really nailed it by including that within, within Paramount Plus. Yep. Yep. It's a great strategy. So, okay. So uh, one of the things that I saw this week actually came from something that was announced last week in, in Netflix earnings. They mentioned that they were switching the way they they sort of randomly give statistics on how many people are watching shows. Um, be, before, they have been quoting viewers, and a view is anybody that watches two minutes or more of any title. And they're changing that. Now what they're going to do is they're going to report the top 10 movies and TV shows, English-speaking and non-English-speaking. And they're going to report the streaming hours delivered. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is an interesting change. Um, there's lots of holes in it. You, you certainly, I think you certainly can't really judge the full catalog of Netflix's uh, content on this basis. But what you can do, what, what it does do for Netflix is, I think, three very valuable things. The first thing is, it creates buzz amongst the, the creator community. Um, they can now see that millions and sometimes hundreds of millions of people are showing up to see uh, see the content that they're producing. The second thing it does is this: the, these charts, these top ten ratings, are going to be picked up by the media and reported on. So that will create buzz amongst the audience. Uh, and and that's really important because that that 
gets people excited about them and people will feel like they have to be to be in the zeitgeist as Ted Saranis likes to say they got to have Netflix they got to be with Netflix and the third thing it does is it sort of hobbles Nielsen Nielsen had started providing ratings uh, for Netflix content without really you know any reference to any help from Netflix and uh, it, it rests the conversation back from Nielsen uh, back to Netflix. So they retain, re, they retain the sort of conversation about what's popular on their site. So I think just a, it turns out a very savvy move, I think, by, by Netflix and uh, gives them a lot of benefits. Well, Colin, we talked at the beginning of the podcast that these past couple of days have been the Connected TV Advertising Brand Suitability Summit. And we had the 32 senior executives across 10 different sessions. You moderated one of them. And I thought it would be useful today to just recap some of the key highlights and takeaways from those two days. I've watched all the sessions. I um, did a lot of the prep and was very involved. So I'm a firm believer that, again, there's no substitute for listening to executives who are really on the front line of this evolution toward connected TV and streaming to follow and understand what's really happening. So I wanted to provide some of the key takeaways. Um, I thought we'd do this maybe in two parts. One is that to just talk a little about the opportunities, what people were excited about, and then to talk about the key challenges. And within the opportunities to do it from one side, the supply side or the content providers slash publishers, and then from the buy side, the advertisers. So uh, I'll turn it over to you in just a moment to talk about the publisher side, because that's the session that you moderated yep. over the course of the two afternoons. I'll talk more about what I heard from the advertisers from the buy side. But before getting to all that, I just want to say at a high level that a thread that went through all of the sessions and is was ubiquitous during the conference and I think is somewhat ubiquitous throughout the industry right now is this real sense of huge excitement about what connected TV advertising represents. And that really is the combination of the best of TVs, sight, sound, and motion with the best of digitals, targetability, optimization, flexibility, and so forth. And that CTV, because again, it's built on a digital platform, represents the first time that the best of TV advertising, the best of digital advertising have been brought together. And there are people who have worked traditionally in TV that have always understood both the power of TV and the limitations of TV, and people who have worked in digital who understand the power of digital, but also the limitations of digital, who are really excited about how CTV brings both of these things together. And in a few minutes, I'll talk about the challenges because I don't want to create any impression whatsoever that we're in you know, a smooth sailing type situation, which we're not by any stretch. Um, but that opportunity at a high level is what has people really excited. And uh, I thought maybe I'll just turn it to you to talk specifically about what you heard from your session on the publisher side, and I'll chime in a little bit, but you had executives from Tubi, A&E, Revolt, and Estrella Media, who I thought did a really nice job 
of outlining what CTD is doing for their businesses and how they're capitalizing. Yeah, I agree, Will. They, they really did do a fantastic job. And uh, those sessions are going to start to be available, I think, on Monday, right? Is that right? Yeah. Um, so what, one of the first things I did was I sort of w- was asking my panelists to sort of comment on how things had changed for them since the since COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, and I really left the question wide open. And one of the things that just just popped up just very, very clear was the influence that fast and virtual linear is having on on content creators. It really was pretty startling. I, I didn't prompt my panelists to talk about fast, but they just all of them did. So, you know, Tubi said that they'd just launched ABC and NBC News news channels. Um, Natalie said that they'd seen 80% quarter over quarter growth, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, Revolt Media, that JB, James Brown, he said that they had literally just launched uh, a fast channel. Um, Revolt, Revolt is a hip hop culture channel. And, um, and also Rene, uh, Rene uh, Santaella, he's uh, from Australia Media. And they've launched Fast Channels. He also talked about that they were distributing their radio feeds through through TuneIn. Sarah Thriver, she uh, at A and E, she said that they've launched four Fast Channels, including one based on the on the on the show Ice Road Truckers. Uh, that's a that's a title you have to say very carefully. And uh, they're, they're really happy with them that these are that it seems like virtual linear is giving them like another dimension, Will, to the ability to reach consumers. So that was one issue. The other uh, the other thing that really came out very, very clearly from the panelists was that this 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 idea that digital and, um, and CTV was giving them the ability to reach audiences that they were that they couldn't reach in that way um, and that was really crystallized for me by Renee from Australia and he, he quoted this stat he said 74% of Hispanics prefer to see creative with somebody that they can identify with and I, this for me this sort of crystallized something about CTV, um, and it was actually mentioned by uh, a couple of the panelists that CTV kind of have gotten stakeholders out of the way, gatekeepers out of the way. There were still gatekeepers there, but there is a much more direct path now. And they can reach audiences in the way that they believe these audiences need to be reached and bring advertisers that couldn't use this medium of television before to reach their to reach their audience that was echoed as well by JB with with Revolt so you know this this was i think one of the clearest things that came out from the panel and it's something that is something that actually when i thought about this business 5 7 years ago this was one of the things that i really hoped would happen and it really does seem like it's happening it's this ability to reach audiences with services that speak to them very directly, not mass market that they, you know, that they have people in them that they can identify with. And, and that is opening up not just opportunities for, for broadcasters, 
and for, for content providers. It's opening up opportunities for brands to reach audiences that they couldn't reach in this way before. So I, those, are, those are a couple of big things. I will just say one more thing. I asked them what they thought would be surprising in 2022, and they gave me some great answers. But I'm not going to tell you because I'm going to write about it and, and release it on my site on Monday. So check in on Monday for, to find out what they thought was going to be surprising in 2022. <laughs> All right, Colin. Well, keeping us on the edge of our seats here. Uh, fair enough. Um, I, I, you know, what you said, it's interesting because it wasn't that long ago, right, when what Bruce Springsteen was writing songs about 500 channels and nothing on. <laughs> and now to your point, what we're seeing, I think that the internet started and is now being carried through to streaming and CTV is that in the opposite to what he was writing about 500 channels and nothing on that. Instead, what we're seeing is lots being on and lots that's more relevant to certain audiences being on. And that's, I think that's pretty cool that there is this sort of democratizing effect that CTV and streaming is having. Very, very much so. And as I say, this was something I think that was echoed by pretty much all the, pa all the panelists on my session was this ability to reach audiences in this new way and uh, give brands a new way to talk with that audience to reach that audience and um, so I, I think that that was a great start to the second day uh, really sort of set us up for a great conversation um, so anyway to tell us a little bit about the the brand side the the ad side of things well I think that's a great segue what you just said about brands being able to position themselves adjacent to particular types of content when trying to reach certain audiences. And that's what I heard through many different sessions is very much related to the concept of brand suitability. It's also very much related to the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DE&I, is that advertisers and brands are being really much more purposeful around their brand values and how they message those brand values and they're trying to create a more inclusive media environment that helps to foster what you were just talking about, which is a more diverse set of content experiences that particular audiences, you know, resonate with, where audiences see themselves in the content. They identify with the characters and they feel a greater sense of affinity and empowerment as a result. And brands are very much and agencies are very supportive of that type of content creation and um, supportive of the idea that that creates more multiculturalism, that it helps to foster an evolution of society's values and its goals. Uh, and, you know, this was a point that was spoken about repeatedly. We heard Comcast Advertising's Chief Growth Officer Pooja Mitta, uh, Horizon Media's Karina DeBarro on these points, um, the VAB's Danielle DeLauro, uh, just lots of different panelists who spoke very eloquently uh, and passionately about what this means from an advertiser's and an agency standpoint. So I thought that that was, I thought that was really cool. And 
you know, another sub message is that, um, you know, this is not to be too put too fine a point, but that this is good business. This makes good business sense. It's not, this is not just some kind of a do-gooder nonprofit, you know, sort of exercise. Brands recognize that it helps them uh, grow their businesses to be able to speak to more directly to certain audiences. And so it's a really nice confluence, I think, where brands and content creators are um, recognizing broader uh, opportunities here to speak to diverse audiences. And, you know, CTV and targeting, going back again to the best of digital, CTV and targeting is what enables all that. And and I think that's that's really exciting for everybody. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you know, um, you spoke with Michael Nathanson at the beginning of the conference. And one of the things he did was he, he talked a lot about the dynamics in the market, which I thought was really interesting. But the most interesting slide for me was the simplest. He was talking about level of targeting and he was looking at discovery and the discovery properties. And he sort of, the baseline was sort of the discovery linear, which is like one, there's no, there's no real targeting, it's mass marketing, right? Disco- discovery addressable linear, he said, was giving them like two times the targeting. Uh, discovery Go, which is, the, um, which is the online delivery of the discovery content, if you're a pay TV subscriber, gave you 2.5. And he, he sees that Dis- Discovery Plus is, you know, three times or more the the targetability and it it cha- it he you know the sort of dynamic he was talking about there is a conversation for, uh, that changes from one to many to one to one and he saw he showed that this had a fundamental impact on the 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 way marketing dollars are going to be spent in advertising a big switch from the sort of broad um, uh, brand message to much more targeted messages that, that are much lower down in the funnel and, and much more direct to to get action and to get to get purchase and intent and retention and all of that stuff. And I thought that was very, very clearly laid out in that just that one very, very clever slide from, from Michael. Yeah, Michael, I agree. He had a really nice slide there, kind of a two by two matrix that um, in one quadrant was high reach and high targetability and how Google and Amazon and, and YouTube have been very much in that quadrant on their own, uh, yeah. Facebook also, yeah. I should say, um, and how everybody's looking to move into that quadrant and that that really is the sweet spot. And I think to your point, uh, and I actually moderated a session on how CTV will eventually evolve to be more of a full funnel medium. Um, you know, that ability to both target particular audiences and also get them to act, to subscribe, to buy, to submit an email address, to scan a QR code, to do whatever it is that you're trying to get them to do to the extent that you can actually tie spending with outcomes. That's, you know, that's enormously valuable to advertisers. And so, uh, so that's all, again, part of the cool opportunity that CTV advertising is. I don't want to be too Pollyanna-ish here and say, oh, gee, everything is wonderful. The sky is the limit because we certainly heard lots of challenges throughout the different discussion sessions as well. And 
Uh, I just want to name a few of them and we can, you know, discuss them. And, and they're really all kind of interrelated, but I would say right at the top of the list is the ongoing fragmentation on both the buy side and the sell side. This is something that many of our panelists raised. And this owes to the fact that as index exchanges, Adam Noble said, there is not a single dominant CTV or slash CTV slash streaming service or operating system. And as a result of there not being a single dominant one or even a couple of them that dominate, there's a lot of fragmentation. And that fragmentation on both sides of the equation can lead to broken viewer experiences. So if any of our listeners have ever had the experience of watching an hour long show and seeing the same ad for Ford 150 pop up multiple times, irrespective of whether you're actually, you know, a truck buyer and tender or have anything in your data profile, but then you've seen three ads, that often reflects the fact that the inventory has been sold by three different providers and that buyers are buying across these different inventory pools yeah. without understanding where else their buy is happening. And so it, it's a very confusing landscape. And, uh, you know, multiple speakers talked about this and they talked about how this lack of measurement, how the creation of these so-called wall gardens is something that creates a lot of complexity in the CTV ecosystem and something that has to be ultimately resolved. It has to be resolved in order for this medium, this exciting CTV advertising medium to recognize its full potential. You, You just, you can't have an advertising medium that is fragmented and siloed with a bunch of walled gardens and expect that you're going to get the full benefit of success. So that is a key thing that very much related to that is that multi-platform becomes very difficult to execute brand suitability and safety. While it's made, both of these have made huge progress. They're difficult to execute um, in these, you know, in a fragmented environment that brands and advertisers need to be very careful about how they proceed in this fragmented environment where they're, looking to get you know certain impression levels where they're looking for brand suitability where the creator economy has become ever more important that they need to be careful and purposeful about what they do because trust is something brand trust and brand equity is something that's built up over many many years and after the investment of huge sums of money in advertising and other programs by brands and that that trust can be lost very quickly if a brand finds itself on the wrong side of brand safety or suitability or an influencer or something in the creator economy. So, um, so none of these, none of these issues are going to be solved overnight. They are complicated, challenging issues. Uh, I will say that many of our speakers, talk very specifically about progress that's being made along different dimensions to solve for these challenges, which is, I think, very encouraging and inspiring. Um, But I think there was a fair amount of candor that there's a lot of work yet to be done. And even as viewers are shifting their behavior towards streaming and CTV very rapidly and advertisers are following the eyeballs, quote unquote, by reallocating their spending, 
there are these big elephants in the room that need to be addressed. And, um, you know, it's, again, I think there's no substitute for listening to people who are on the front line of this whole uh, shift and listening to what they have to say about both the opportunities and the challenges. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, Sarah Shriver on my panel from a summed it up about where we are in the complexity and the fragmentation. She said, it's not easy, but it's getting easier. And I think that's that's true um, from from both sides, from both the content provider's side and from the advertising side. As you said, tremendous complexity in fit, for that ad to show up in front of a consumer, that targeted ad. There is tremendous complexity in making that happen. And uh, you know, we're still in the early stages here, so we've got a lot of we've got a lot of issues to figure out and get right. Um, but uh, I think. I think I don't know. At the end of it all, Will, I felt a lot more confident that we were going to do that, uh, and end up actually with a product that was much more inclusive and yeah. um, you know uh, m- much more relevant to real people than television has ever been. I think that's exactly right, Colin. I I certainly come away from the two afternoons feeling very positive, very optimistic about what you just said that we're well along and even with you know much better days still to come in terms of inclusivity, multiculturalism, um, advertisers being able to spend their uh, budgets more purposefully with yep. a better return on their investment. And that ultimately that's all good for the content creation process because as we both know, there's a huge part of the market that's funded through subscriptions but there's an even huger part of the market that is funded through advertising. And that's the way it's always been in media. And that's the way it's always going to be in media. And it's essential that CTV advertising become a you know, fully robust, fully recognized medium because those dollars go directly to content providers and to content creators who are pursuing these very agendas that we're talking about. And, you know, I would just say one last thing in closing, just to kind of highlight the complexity here is that the conversation continues. I'm really excited about our next event, which is going to be in late January of 2022. It's going to be our Connected TV Advertising Preview 2022 event. We're going to have a great group of senior executives talking about what their priorities are for 2022 what they're allocating budgets against, how they're addressing key challenges, some of which we've talked about. There are other topics that we actually have not even talked about in this podcast or uh, over the last couple of days, which are going to be integrated into the agenda, which I think are going to be really cool. So uh, shameless plug there for podcast listeners and video news readers to keep an eye out for a save the date for our inaugural CTV preview event that's going to be coming in late January. That sounds great. Well, I'll definitely mark it off in my calendar and and virtually be there. And it will be a virtual event because, uh, sadly, I think COVID still persists in one way or another. And I'm still feeling a little squeamish about bringing people back together again in a New York City hotel ballroom. So for now, for January, we're staying virtual. Their airfares are still pretty darn expensive, Will. So I think it might be a bad idea. Fair enough. Well, Colin, we covered a lot of ground here. Thank you again to you for participating and moderating. You always do a fantastic job with the sessions and getting the most out of 
um, all of your panelists really eliciting their key points. It's a pleasure to listen to you. And, um, you know, we're all, I think, very fortunate to be part of an industry that's going through very significant growth and creating a lot of new opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it, Will, and uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it. It was a pleasure. All right, Colin, I think that's it for this week. So thanks again to all of our listeners for joining us for this week's edition of the Inside the Stream podcast. We are going to not be with you next week because it's the short Thanksgiving week. So we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And we will see you all again the week after. Inside the Stream is a production of Endscreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.